And you're welcome to the RTE Rugby Podcast. Delighted to have you with us ahead of the third test this weekend. The Lions and South Africa finally poised at one test each after two games. Donald Lennon and Bernard Jackman are with me to look ahead to the weekend. Donald, look, it's, it's a weird one in a way because I think, you know, maybe a couple of weeks before the first test started, we'd said things would be finally balanced at one test each going into the last against the world champions. We'd all be very excited. Yet, I don't think I've actually witnessed so much apathy and disappointment about the rugby that's been played over the last uh, couple of weeks. It is one all, but we're hoping for change this weekend, are we not? Yeah, we certainly are. Um, obviously, you're picking up the feeling there at home. Uh, it's a little different out here. Springbok supporters don't care how they win. They're thrilled at the fact that it's one all. They think the rugby is brilliant. Yeah. Every time they see a scrum going backwards, a mall being driven 20 yards, they're cheering and roaring. So uh, slightly different. But look, uh, I think we just have to take a step back from that first. I mean, this is our last podcast of the year. Cheers. The longest rugby season in all time. <laughs> uh, I was thinking we, 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 we covered, uh, was it um, Leinster-Munster on the 22nd of August in the Aviva, the comeback game. Uh, season has begun. It's almost a year. When you think about it from the play, it's almost it's bad enough talking about it and covering it. Imagine playing for that length of time. Uh, you know, it's been such a strange year in, in so many ways. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's fitting in a way that uh, it's, it's ending uh, with a game that everybody is just in their heads about. I mean, it should be, as you say, a celebration of rugby. Uh, it'll be 12 years before the Lions will be back here in South Africa. The fact that once again, it's happening in a stadium where there won't be anybody there. It's the fifth game in a row, you know, put it, put it in the context of the Lions tour. The fifth game in a row that the Lions play in the Cape Town Stadium. So, you know, you think of yourself as a, a player away on the Lions, you're on tour. But like that stadium, it might as well be a home stadium to them. They've seen nothing mm -hmm. else or played nowhere else, yeah. only that stadium. So, uh, sorry, that's, I'm just putting the game into context. Well, hang on, hang like. on. There it is, Bernard Jackman. There it is. I never thought I'd see the day on the record where Donald Lennon says, I'm shit sick of talking about rugby. But COVID this year has done it too. We've finally broken <laughs> Absolutely, Rob. Look, I, I feel your pain, Donald. But you know, you mentioned Cape Town and, and five games in a row, Cape Town Stadium. I mean, it's it's a, it's a South African winter there, and the pitch started to tear up last week. I mean, how how's it been this week? Has it been much rain? Would you would you sense that the pitch will will further deteriorate, and that might stop the Lions playing this type of attacking rugby that probably have to play to get a win? Yeah, look, it it is a big factor. There's no doubt about that. Um, no, we've been lucky. I mean. I've been in Cape Town numerous times over the years. Uh, in the good days, when you were able to get the ferry out to Robben Island or get up Table Mountain, uh, there was always rain. They were always cancelled. We've had two days of rain in the last three weeks. It's been extraordinarily dry, uh, which is just as well because the pitch, as you alluded to, the Cape Town Stadium was built in 2010 for the Soccer World Cup. So it is a, it's a mixture of... It's a sand-based uh, grass. I mean, even last week before the... Um, uh, in the warm-up for the games, both sets of uh, both opposition were scrummaging against a full pack on either end of the pitch, and the pitch was just churning up before you. Um, so every time there's a break in players, certainly half time, the groundsmen are over the forks. Uh, but I think the Springboks are are giving out about it more than the Lions on the basis that they feel they can't get proper traction from a scrummage point of view, and they feel you know had the pitch been better, they would even be more dominant. So. Um, 
maybe maybe the Lions they might be they might be happy with what they have, but it is a factor. Gads might have to make a, a video next week about groundsmen, sixty minutes or exactly. <laughs> well, look, <laughs> whatever about the weather, right? And and and, and but a reprieve by all accounts from Donald, you know about how normally is at this time of year. Bernard, we can't blame the pitch for the absolute rubbish the Lions have been playing for the last two Test matches. And I'm not overstating this here because I'm telling you now, of the three halves of Test rugby that we've seen, the second half of the first Test, the only time I actually sat up and thought, oh, here we go, this is actually an interesting game to watch. Three 40 minutes of rugby, which kind of amass over about four hours the way the game has gone, have been absolutely putrid from the Lions. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that they're going to have to rectify um, to win this weekend. It's nearly impossible to see them being able to beat the box at their own game, which they tried to do last week. And I could see the thought process in that because they had effectively snuck, uh, uh, no, not snuck, they'd won a first test without really having to open up. And, and if you think about the game, the way the game finished and the second half was obviously more impressive or, or, or more dominant in, in the first test, it was with, Car- with Conor Murray and Farrell playing pragmatic rugby. So, you know, in Test 2, Gatlin probably felt, look, that's the way to just win the series. Uh, the problem is now the box have found their power, their power game. Um, they seem to be more match fit. And I don't think the Lions can match them playing that way. So I think Gatlin has to gamble. And, and potentially, you know, you see Ali Price come back in. That's a sign that they want to play more tempo. Finn Russell on the bench. Um, they've obviously brought Josh Adams in, who uh, and Ian Williams, who were probably brought in to to solve the the high ball uh, issue. But also, in fairness to both of them, they have attacking prowess in their own right. The big question for me is, can we get the ball to the to the to the width? You know, um, and, and that's nothing against Bundy and Robbie. I think both of them are are, are very good centres. But unfortunately, this this tour, we haven't had that second playmaker. That you need to get around that rush defence, Hugh. And we're not the first team to get caught by it. Um, and we won't be the last. But I think we have been very conservative. You know, for Dan Bigger to only touch the ball three times in, uh, in a game in the second test. And, like, it's not as if we didn't have any possession. We had. Um, we have become very one-out uh, focused um, and a hell of a lot of kicking. And realistically, I think if we don't change, you know, the result is going to be a comprehensive win win for the box because I don't think we can handle them uh, at what they do so I'm fi- I'm really excited and hope that we do uh, elaborate a little bit and if not Gregor Townsend is going to be seen as this this tour is going to be seen as a big black mark against his attacking prowess to be honest well I tell you even I don't think you know and look we'll go into the changes that, that have been made for the third test in, in a couple of minutes time but just on Gregor Townsend here I hope whatever fee the Lions are paying him for attack coach is going to be handed back at the end of this thing because I have not the first idea about the team that was picked to go out for the second test and the, the men that were asked to fill the positions, particularly the back three, and the rugby that transpired over the course of the 80 minutes, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I mean, it isn't as if the Lions didn't know. When, they, when that Lions coaching team sat down for their first selection meeting months ago, you know, and that's a process that will go on over a series of months. But the one thing in terms of picking a squad is you will say, okay, how are we going to beat South Africa and what type of players do we need to do that? Because you have that luxury in Alliance context because you're picking the best of four home countries. Mm. Um, to, to go back to Berner's point in terms of the rush defence, the line speed that South Africa play at, they defend narrowly, there is space available out wide. So therefore, uh, you would think, no, uh, uh, you know, 
that you have you take that into consideration when you're putting your attacking plan together. But the bottom line is there hasn't been an attacking plan. That is the biggest indictment of the series. Uh, when, when Birch was talking there about Dan Bigger, three touches, he passed the ball three times in the 160 minutes of the game. Now, bear in mind that apparently the ball was only in play 30 minutes, 30 seconds. On average, you're talking 34, 35 minutes. And that was over a period of 116 minutes, not the normal 80 minutes. So it is turgid stuff. Um, and again, so therefore, in terms of the way you're going to beat that um, uh, that defensive system, we've seen no evidence of it. And I think that has been compounded more by the fact there's a consistency with nine selections throughout the test series. In other words, nine players will be starting their third test. Okay, Five of those nine, are, by the way, are in the back five. The second row and back row have been constant throughout the series. But we now have our third different centre combination for the test series, which shows you, you know, the intercombination is. Um, they, they, they have reverted to two-thirds of the back three that everybody felt should have been there for the first test anyway. But the bottom line is they don't seem to have the capacity to challenge that drift defence. Uh, that, that, on, uh, on that tone, on the defence, do you think that Warren Gatland had in mind Owen Farrell to play outside Binger as that 10-12 two-player competition? And because of Owen Farrell's lack of form, that his plans went out the window, essentially, that, that Owen Farrell all of a sudden became unpickable because of the way he was playing. Yeah, I think there was an element to that. I think Robbie Henshaw was kind of nailed down at 13. He was always going to start in the centre. Uh, Farrell, he brought him in, if, if memory serves me right, going back to the first game against Japan, I think he, he utilised that opportunity off the bench, bringing in the second playmaker. But it hasn't happened. It never developed from there. Um, and that is a concern because how else are you going to go Look, I mean, Bernard is the coach. There's three ways. You, you try and get outside it. You try and go through it. Or you go over it. There is space in behind that drift defence that the Lions haven't been able to exploit at all. We've seen, um, you know, the, the, the try, the disallowed try that Robbie Henshaw had last week. I mean, yeah. I know that was only five metres out, but that was a perfect example of the space that's in behind those, uh, those grubber kicks. There's an opportunity there to try and break that defensive system. But um, the Lions uh, haven't been... I, I think in some ways, when you look back at the provincial games, they were scoring tries for fun. It was almost too easy, but they were breaking down defences after three phases. And that bore no resemblance whatsoever to the way South Africa play. So um, they, they found themselves in the middle of an arm wrestle that they haven't been able to win, and they haven't produced an alternative which I think will be an indictment of the coaching staff and this whole series is over because without any in-depth analysis, you know exactly what the Springboks were going to present to you before you came out here and nothing has changed. And they have failed miserably in terms of the way to try and deal with that. I mean, to date, in the two tests, the Lions have scored one try, Cowan Dickey of a 10-metre line-out mall. That's been it. Yeah. And the back three, Birch, you know, like just in terms of, the, you know, the selection of the tactics, I, I, I don't know how you beat that defence, uh, given the way the Lions have been set up to play. But, you know, the back three that, that Warren Gatlin selected, I remember the first test, you and I were speaking about this and saying, All right, he's picked Hogg, he's picked two on Van der Merwe, and he's picked Watson. Ergo, they're going to try and play some ball, because they're not a defending kicking back three as such. Like, you know, if you wanted a defensive kicking back three, you could have picked Liam Winnings, you could have picked Jones. 
that's not the back three that kind of um, aligns itself with a, a defensive-minded kicking game. Yet that's exactly what's transpired. It's bizarre in ways, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and you know, people will say, oh, um, they didn't get a chance to, to counterattack. But the problem was because of what the Lions did on their own ball, they kicked it away to the box and then hence the box kicked it back and they exploited that weakness in, in the air that, that we saw last week. And I actually thought Anthony Watson um, was unlucky. I would have went with Dean Williams, Josh Adams and Anthony Watson again. I, I thought he was the best of the three of them last week, but there seems to be a big push for Duan van der Mer. I think speaking to some box uh, Springbok friends of mine, you know, they, they see him as a massive weakness. Um, they really... I think everybody does at this stage. <laughs> I know, I know. I look, maybe he has... <laughs> He could. He has ability for sure going forward. He's powerful, but I think power is probably the least important factor against the box. Because, on the wing, yeah. On the wing, well, exactly yeah. on the wing because they they don't you know they don't fear power. What they fear potentially is you know is real speed, real cunning, um, you know, uh, someone with footwork. So I, I don't think he's the right um, weapon for for this opposition. But look, at he's he's in there. Yeah. Um, but wait, think about it, Bert. Sorry. I think one of the reasons Van der Merwe was there earlier on in the series uh, was Gatlin was because he is so big. He's six foot four. He's seventeen yeah. stone. He was actually using him off the wing almost uh, as the guy who was going to get the Lions over the gain line. And then you're keeping Robbie Henshaw and say Elliot Daly as it was off that and play off that. But even now, like Bundyaki has been brought in. If you like, that's one of the roles that he's been brought into play. So therefore. Why persevere with Van der Merve? Yeah, it's a it's a bizarre one, and I think I think there's huge pressure on his shoulder on on his shoulder. It's a very difficult scenario for him, you know. Given you know, given like he didn't he wasn't great last week. He hasn't a huge amount of experience at the top top level, um, you know, European finals, Grand Slam deciders, etc. And now he's he's coming into a test game to win a series, you know, in a game where he's going to be targeted with high balls, which isn't his strength. So. Look, it's a leap of faith from, from Townsend and Gatlin. But I agree with you, Don. I think the selection hasn't made sense the whole tour. Even, you know, uh, even not bringing someone like Henry Slade or Gary Ringrose, you know, as an option. Like, let's be honest, it's highly likely they plan to play Elliot Daly in a test match at 13. You know, it was the second time he, he played 13 in a test match in five years. Um, so there's been lots of inconsistencies that if we don't win... You know, will be will be used to to point a finger at, at the coaching staff. So, um, you know, the the, the Springbok players responded to Razio Hasman and gave him a performance. I think Gatland Gatland needs the team to to come out fighting for, for for him this weekend because I think there's a there's a lot of areas you could criticise them um, in terms of how they prepared. And Donald, what I mean, I'm kind of you know scratching scratching my head here, saying how. Is this team that he's going to select, you know, change things to such a degree that we're going to see, you know, an entirely different match from last weekend? It does seem like South Africa are only getting stronger and getting fitter and more assured of themselves, where perhaps the Lions, and you mentioned at the very start of this podcast, Donald, how long a season it's been, let alone for us talking about. Imagine for the players, they must be out on their feet with preseason, even before that Leinster Munster game, preseason dating back to this month. So essentially, they're playing for over 12 months nonstop. And, 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 and I just wonder, have they anything left at this stage? Well, uh, I tell you, Hugh, in, in my experience over a long number of years in touring, the final week of a tour is always difficult at the best of times because, you know, you have players, even the players who were involved in the series, it's inevitable that your mind drifts because, you know, 
when the game is over on Saturday, that's the end of the season. Your mind can drift to going on holidays with your family, for example, on, on, on getting back. Uh, and I think even this tour, given the difficulty surrounding it, I mean, as I say, look, we had a beautiful day around the Cape here yesterday. We visited uh, South African Rugby Union, as I said, they brought us out. Uh, you're looking at the beauty of the place. The players have seen absolutely nothing. There's six weeks in South Africa. Uh, there have now been four weeks in the same hotel in Hermanus. It's on a golf course, but um, it's like, what do you do all day? So I, I think the mental approach to this game is going to be absolutely huge. Um, and the players who aren't involved in the testing, there's a big role for them to play. You can imagine how disappointed somebody like, say, Tyg Byrne came off the bench. He's had a brilliant tour. He's come off the bench only 10 minutes and seven minutes. And now he finds himself out of the match day 23. You look at Ian Henderson, who's had a fantastic tour, was given the opportunity to captain the Lions in one of the games, which is a huge honour. Yeah. And now he sees uh, Adam Baird is on the bench ahead of him. I mean, that's a real kick in the teeth to him. So mentally, how the Lions, uh, you know, how their, their camp approaches this during the week is absolutely huge. On the flip side, you South Africa. Will they be able to get up, like it was do or die for them last week, will they be able to get up to the heights that they undoubtedly reached and all that, if, if you like, the fact that uh, Razzie put himself out there, they had to respond and deliver a performance for their coaching team because he went out in a limb, uh, you know, and you can argue the merits are otherwise of that, but it worked for South Africa. Um, so you have all those issues. And the last one, which I, I look, as I said all along, I think the Lions have had more competitive advantages in this tour than they've ever had before. No travel, didn't have to play in altitude. And the key one is injuries. I doubt if it has ever happened before that the Lions have got to the third test, the final game of the tour, where everybody was available for selection. Yeah. It, it, in my memory, it's never happened. It Not only that, on the flip side, South Africa have lost two of their, in my view, two of their three most influential players in Faf de Klerk and Peter Steff Tutoy. Then there was a, a suggestion that uh, Dwayne Vermeulen would come back into the team, but he's just not fit enough. So that's another kick, if you like. So they're down some of their key players. The Lions have had a full deck to select from. They have tweaked the bench a bit. I mean, I think the selections of Sam Simmons, who for me has had an ordinary tour, I have to say. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Finn Russell, at least the fact, you know, he does bring that bit of X factor. Had you not included him on the bench for this one, you'd wonder why they would have picked him uh, uh, in the first place. But there is, so there is something different there from the Lions. But the key is, will they be still in the mix for the game in that last 25 minutes when you'll be looking to those players to try and win the series for you? Bernard has been dominated by talk over the uh, match officials. Um, Razzie Erasmus, I guess, following on from Warren Gatlin's lead, where Gatlin criticised Marius Juncker, the TMO. Um, Razzie said, right, I see your criticism of Juncker, and I'll raise you this hour-long video <laughs> thrown out to the public about everything that the Australian officials did wrong the last time. God love them. They must be in cold showers at the moment, you know, after, after the treatment that was dealt out. This weekend, we have Matthew Raynal. Now, the officials, again, are going to come into centre focus as they just do in a test match now, whether it's the Six Nations or, or, or down under. Um, given, I guess, it's a, it's a European referee, you might say, OK, first check to the Lions in terms of maybe how the referee, a breakdown referee, the scum will be refereed. But, but, but equally, the top 14, which you know all about, um, is it, probably most akin to how South Africa want to play, which is a rough and full up front. How do you see Matthew Raynal? 
Okay, I think that that's a ma a massive boost for for the box because uh, Mathieu Reynald is, is very similar to most French referees, and they forward the team. Sorry, they favour the team that goes forward. Uh, yeah. Um, so he won't be worried about binds or angles, or hasn't been in his career so far. Um, uh, uh, unless he picked up some things from from the the way the box finished the game last weekend at scrum time in particular, that was pointed out to him was illegal he will favour them. And that's the big worry. It's just how the Lions scrum got dismantled. And also our line at Mall, I mean, um, it was so dominant. Uh, and obviously it was a rich source of penalties and territory for uh, for the box. So I think Matthew Reynal's style of refereeing will, will suit the box. And unless the Lions can come up with a way of solidifying and being able to um, not give away penalties at scrum time and being able to I wouldn't say stop them all, but again, you know, not you concede some concede ground potentially, but not penalties. You know, it doesn't matter what they do in attack for me, Hugh. It'll be all over, you know. And um, you know, speaking of the the, the the changes in the team, I agree with Donald. I think the box have lost two unbelievably influential players, but I just thought it was interesting the way they've gone to a five-three split now, and and Mornay Stain, you know, is, is 37 years of age and he's back on the bench in case. Andre Pollard's kicking doesn't get back to the level uh, that it normally is, which, you know, he's missed a couple in this, in this series and, you know, uh, they're prepared for that. And, and uh, yeah, I just think it's a sign. Like, Morning Stain comes on, they're not going to open up. It's going to be yeah. uh, bombs, area bombs, territory, goal kicking. So I think they, they, they feel they have the recipe now and um, they're just going to go out and try and put it together again. And, and, and I agree about the emotion side. You know, Gatlin has hinted at in the media Sometimes he's seen teams in the past not being able to get back up to that level. I don't know. I think they have momentum. I think there's a test series on the on the line. You know, Donald spoke you know, in South Africa. The fans are enjoying this. I mean, Jesus, if they're not up for it emotionally, you know, there's something wrong. Absolutely. Um, I think Ronald O'Garriston has more his days head on a dartboard, Donald, after uh, the last nine tours <laughs> in South Africa. But listen, in terms of, you know, the scrum, which Bernard just mentioned there, um, the game went on for 116 minutes last weekend in the second test. It was in play 30 minutes. Most of those minutes out of play, Donald, were over the scrum. I mean, how long does it take to get 16 lads to settle down, form a scrum, and actually put the ball in play now? Because it's getting to the stage where people are just being put off by this. It's a farce at the moment. Well, it's a joke. But look, you know my thoughts on this. I, I've always said, and, and Birch mightn't like this, is a, a good technical coach himself. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, I've always made the point, scrum coaches get about 25 minutes of live action in the week leading up to a test match so therefore you've got to have you've got to make the scrum sound like rocket science the way the the, the method with which a scrum is set at the moment where the hooker stands arms up the two props take about 30 seconds each to get their foot in the right position the second rows are down on their knees they bind with each other first for about 10 seconds it takes them another 10 seconds to get off their knees the two flankers then come in when they feel like it and the number eight spends his day catching their shorts at the back, pulling them backwards to try and propel them forward. It drives me bananas. Um, I mean, just get in with it and get on with it. But uh, the bottom line is the box have certainly rediscovered uh, the art of the second drive in terms of the power that they're able to translate through it. Um, certainly Trevor and Kane, who was a tight head, a loose head originally, moved to tight head three years ago. Like, he came back on at Luke's head and did a big number on Kyle Sinclair when he came on. So um, 
there's no doubt that Lions front row have been put under massive pressure. The one little ace that they feel they have this time is Wynne Jones, the, the Scarlets and Welsh loosehead, who was the original selection for the first test, missed it because of a shoulder infection, missed the second test. He's back. Now, if that doesn't solidify the scrum early on, if the box still get a nudge with their ace card playing, then I think that's a massive psychological boost for, for South Africa. Um, so, look, the scrum and the mall. I mean, the Jagger, uh, I, I haven't seen a second row make as big an impact on a game as he did when he came off the bench last week. Came on at 55 minutes. The Lions line out uh, was dominant. South Africa were struggling because they'd lost that third option when Peter Steph Tutard went off and originally they'd replaced him by Quagga Smith, who's about six foot one, maybe. Um, the minute they got the third option back and they started winning lineups, then their mall came into play. But even more crucially for me, the Jagger roamed, or he, he ruled the year off restarts. South Africa had been shocking on restarts up to that point. So his impact was massive. The big question now, though, is they've run out of second rows. Franco Mostert starts in the back row. So therefore, Diagor hasn't played a huge amount of rugby. He probably won't last 80 minutes. They'll have to put Mostert back into the second row. And they have two what they call fetchers over here, Van Straden and Quagga Smith, who are very good on the ground. But ideally, they would like that third second row on the bench. So they are compromised in terms of injury. So, and as a consequence of that, are vulnerable. So I wouldn't be writing off the Lions, but uh, again, I think the whole psychological energy is going to come from what happens in that set piece, from the mall, and Matthew Reynal, as the referee, is going to play a huge role. The only thing I would wish for him, there were so many interventions from the TMO and the assistant referees last week. Uh, ben O'Keefe, you could have heard him down in the waterfront here in Cape Town. He was so uh, loud and so uh, ferocious, as was uh, Nick Berry. Matthew Reynal was whispering in the background. And we were, Jesus, man, would you ever speak up so we could hear what you're saying? I yeah. hope as referee, um, he uh, will give clear communication, which O'Keefe did, to be fair. Yeah. And I hope that just not the referees aren't so just shell shocked at the moment. They can actually make a decision in under 16 minutes every time they stop the yeah. play because it's just getting a, a farce now at this stage. Razzy Erasmus, I think, you know, if they go and win this um, this weekend, Birch, um, won't give a damn what world rugby throw at him in terms of fines for the video they put out. And I'm firmly of the view, and I know I'm, I'm kind of in the minority here. I, I heard the call that this is a disgrace, this is not rugby. I think he did what he had to do to get his team together, to bind them together, and he went and won the second test. So it absolutely worked, and I think hats off to him to do it. If World Rugby want to make an example of him, fine, but I'm not sure that he'll care. What I will say to you is, if Warren Gatlin manages to pull this off this weekend, Birch, he will go down as the greatest Lion coach of all time, no question. And given his record, when his back has been against the wall, it wouldn't surprise me if the Lions managed to do it this weekend. No, absolutely no, I wouldn't. It, 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 he definitely has it in him. I'm just wondering, um, has he kind of relinquished some of his old principles? Um, and... You know, he's come off a, a very tough period in, in Super Rugby with the Chiefs where, you know, I think they didn't win a game in, in, in Super Rugby at Torah. Um, he seems to have, look, it just uh, from the outside here, I have no inside knowledge, but it seems he has relinquished some of the the, the dominance he, he may have had in the past around selection, you know, that it was very much a, an open forum. Um, and it don't, look, I, I've never seen Gatland show such inconsistency in, in selection. Like, so watching him in the previous Lions tour, 
okay, you know, he had to, he made a late change in second test in New Zealand and went with a Sexton Farrell second playmaker and, and that worked. But like over the last 10 years with Wales, with the Lions, I've always seen, you know, where he was going, you know what I mean? And, and, a, mm. and that's the, that's the question here. And look, if he pulls it off, I think, it will be, despite all the fact. Uh, I agree with Don. A lot of things have fallen in Lions' favour. No tests at, at, at altitude, etc. But given how the second half went and how the Lions looked like rag ball overs, that last thirty minutes just completely fell astray. I think it would be a massive. Uh, and look, he, he's he's a phenomenal coach, regardless. But yeah. I think it would be the finest moment. Yeah. No, he is. But it, I think Donald, it almost would be his finest. If he could, if he could pull this off on what it will be his last Lions tour as manager. As head coach, it would be quite something, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, he's. I know Gats going back to 1998. Um, I've watched his growth and development. Uh, he came into an Irish setup, and uh, God, so far long ago, Brian Ashton, the coach at the time, got shingles, couldn't coach the team. And um, so Gatty came in. Caddy had been doing a little bit around the scrum, contributing there. And uh, in a matter of weeks, the two of us found ourselves. Uh, it, it, at the head of the Irish thing um, when everybody else was falling away and he, he's always been Camus personified um, he's learned over the years uh, he made a couple of errors earlier on in his coaching career as all coaches did I think that he did learn to back himself so I understand fully where Birch is coming from on this one I mean all the things in terms of the original Lions squad selection in terms of the selection for the first test We've heard this almost, you know, this, this selection by consensus where all the coaches put in their team and we'll see how many is common to all. And that's the starting point. That is alien to what Gatlin would have done in the past. Mm. And as a consequence of that, I think we have seen this inconsistency in the selection of the team. But um, look, the bottom line is it all comes down now to 80 minutes. It's not going to be flamboyant. Um uh, the Lions are still 80 minutes away from creating history. A Lions test series is so difficult to achieve. I mean, they've only had two since the turn of the 19th century, or since 1900 here, they've had two test series wins. That's how hard it is. But, you know, it's within touching distance. And look, going back to 2001, we were in a similar position. Uh, it was one all. And there's times during the week that you worry, do the players... Uh, does it sink in how significant this moment is? They'll never get this back again. They'll never be in a position where they can create this history again. So therefore, you know, it's it's all or nothing. And I think Gatlin will create that mentality this week. It's a question of whether they're going to be good enough to deal with that physical power that South Africa will bring. Okay. Well, lads, it's been a pleasure. I am looking forward to it now after listening to the both of you. I, I was a bit... <laughs> Apathetic there this morning, but I'm very much looking forward to it, and I really hope the Lions do it. Donald, just before I let you go, any truth in the rumor that Ty Furlong has played so much golf he's gone from a handicap of 28 to scratch in the last three or four weeks? No? <laughs> well, I tell you one thing, he definitely take you at this stage. I got golf simulators and everything. So listen, uh, well, I tell you, uh, uh, golf will be the least of Ty Furlong's problem. He's one of the mainstays. He's been the rock of the that Lions scrum, for his sake, I think he's a fantastic character. Great achievement out of him. He's now six Lions test starts in a row. Um, you know, a phenomenal player, yeah. but uh, so much rests on his shoulders, given that he is the only surviving member now 
of the front row that started the last couple of games. His star has never been higher. His agents and his decision to turn down that first contact offer for the Irish I think, would prove to be a very savvy one. Uh, gents, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the third test. Talk to you soon.